Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We're reading in 1 John. And last time we read chapter 4. Now chapter 4 is about testing the spirits and knowing that we are of God. And that um, we have the love of God in us. And that we can't say we love God and hate our brother. And the last verse, verse 21 in 1 John chapter 4, is in this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should also love his brother and seek the best for him. I mean, it's plain and simple. If we love God, we can't hate our brother. We can't hate people here. Okay? So, <clears throat> I'm going to move on. That was That's where John is there at the end of chapter 4. Now we're going to move on to 1 John chapter 5. I am reading the Amplified Bible and this is the this is verse 1. Everyone who believes with a deep abiding trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed, is born of God. That is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the child born of him. By this we know without any doubt that we love the children of God, expressing that love when we love God and obey his commandments. For the true love of God is this, that we habitually keep his commandments and remain focused on his precepts. And his, excuse me, and his commandments and his precepts are not difficult to obey. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world, our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. So plainly, we're told the Lord tells us to love God. That's our first most prevalent commandment, to love God. Okay, and if you if you go back where Jesus was asked what's the two most important commandments, and he's like, love God and love one another. That was I'm I'm very much paraphrasing and simplifying it, but we know that's what he was saying. He said, love God and love one another. Love God with all your heart, with all that we are. And here John is reaffirming that if we believe in Jesus and we love God, the Father, then we will also love one another. And he's just, he's just confirming and reaffirming that. He's saying, for the true love of God, okay, he's explaining further to us, is that we keep his commandments and remain focused. I'm going to say on his word. We, you know, this says precepts, and that's, that's true, but Precepts kind of makes it sound kind of odd because that's kind of an older word that we don't use a lot. So, um, so I'm going to say, remain focused on His Word and how He tells us to be and how He says we should be and how does He say we should be? He says we should love one another. His precepts, His commandments, His rules, His Word is not difficult to obey. And the reason it's not difficult to obey is that. When we're born of God, which we are, we've been baptized into Christ, we are victorious over the world when we accept 
Jesus as our Savior. Just as Jesus has defeated uh, evil and has defeated the world, we share in his victory. And we have overcome the world in believing in Jesus, the Son of God. So, John is just reaffirming and, and sort of going a little further and explaining, maybe a little more in depth, how we love God. We love God by obeying his commandments, focusing on his word. Um, you could go back to Jesus also saying, seek first the kingdom of heaven. You know, focusing on God's word, learning from God, you know, habitually staying in the word of God. That's how we show that we love God and putting that to, to work in our lives now. Not just, you know, James says not just being empty, um, well, well, that's not right. Not just, uh, not just being hearers of the word, but doers. At least I believe that was in James. If I'm confusing it with another letter, I apologize. But uh, we should be hearers of the word, uh, doers of the word. I'm so sorry. We should be doers of the word and not just hearers. Of course, we should listen and hear and study. We should also put it into practice and do it. And here John is saying definitely, habitually, always be following God's word, his commandments, his his ideas for us, his will for us is explained in his word, and that's what we should be following. Continuing on with verse 5. Who is the one who is victorious and overcomes the world? It is the one who believes and recognizes the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came through water and blood, his baptism and death, Jesus Christ not by water only, but by the water and the blood, Jesus was baptized by John in water, and he shed his blood on the cross for us. So, we've, we've come through his baptism and his death in following him. He went through, you know, both. And so we, when we follow him and we're baptized into him, we, we follow that with him spiritually. It is the Holy Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. He is the essence and origin of truth itself. For there are three witnesses, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three are in agreement. Their testimony is perfectly consistent. So, the Spirit did, if you remember, even just from, just from what we've read in the Gospels, the Spirit, you know, the Spirit came down on Jesus when he was baptized. And there were certain events that occurred when Jesus died on the cross. Uh, the sky was darkened. There were people that were up from the grave and were witnessed, you know, in, in Jerusalem. So, there were a lot of things that went on there. If you go back and read the Gospel accounts and see what all happened, the veil was torn. There's a lot of things that happened, but we're, he's speaking here about witnesses. Now, um, and that the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three are in agreement, their testimony is, per testimony is perfectly consistent. If we accept, as we do, the testimony of men, 
That is, if we are willing to take the sworn statements of fallible humans as evidence, right? The testimony of God is greater, the Spirit of God. For this is the testimony of God that he, testi that he has testified regarding his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God, who adheres to, trusts, and relies confidently on him as Savior, has the testimony within himself because he can speak authoritatively about Christ from his own personal experience. And that's what we do today. Even though we did not physically get to live with, be with, and see, and talk, and touch Jesus in the flesh here on this earth, we still have our own personal experiences with the Lord. They are way more spiritual in nature, but we still have them. The one who does not believe God in this way has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed in the evidence that God has given regarding his son. And the testimony is this. God has given us eternal life. We already possess it. And this life is in his son, resulting in our spiritual completeness and eternal companionship with him. He who has the son by accepting him as Lord and Savior, has the life that is eternal. He who does not have the Son of God by personal faith does not have the life. So, we want to make sure that we understand that everyone has this eternal life. Jesus did this for everyone. Everyone has it. Everyone has it available to them it's consistently waiting and sitting there. It's with them everywhere they go all the time. At any time they can reach out and accept Jesus and accept this eternal life. That's one thing that we need to make sure we understand. So the one who believes definitely has that life. The one who doesn't, who doesn't believe in Jesus, they, they have it available to them. They have not accepted it. It's the difference of having a plate of food in front of you and one person actually eats it and the other one doesn't. And they sit there and say they're hungry. They don't have it. They do have it. They just refuse to accept it. So that may be a very crude or simple explanation, but it's true. If you have, let's say you have $20 in your wallet, but you refuse to ever use it, and another person does take that and use it, they use it for something good, maybe they share that with someone else, or feed their family, whatever you would do with it, and then you have, then someone else has it, but they refuse to use it, and they just say, no, no, I can't do that, I don't have that, no, I don't. But, but they actually do have it. They, they just have to accept it. They just need to accept it. Um, we all have that available to us. It is the free gift of God. It is available to us. And that's, that's what we keep teaching and keep preaching to others. And, uh, you know, that's something we need to make sure that is clear. It is always there and always available. It's ready. You know, you don't have to wait until you're scraping rock bottom and you don't have anywhere else to go. You know, I know for a lot of people that's the way it happens and I, I get that, I get that. 
but uh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to wait and do that. Now he also mentions who's the one who's victorious and overcomes the world. It's the one who believes in Jesus. This is he who came through water and blood, his baptism and death. And we follow Jesus and we similarly go through baptism and as a um, imitator of that death, you know, as we're buried and resurrected with Christ. So that baptism um, serves as us imitating Christ and, and showing that we uh, believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died and rose again and that his blood, his blood from his, from his death is that one eternal sacrifice that uh, washes away our sins and makes us a part of Christ, makes us a part of God's family, a, a true child of God. Everyone here can be and is. I mean, really, every person on the earth is a part of God's family. They just have to accept it. They just need to recognize it and accept it. And it, that's, that's, that's the difficult part, I suppose, is getting people to do that. It, you would think it would not be that difficult, but I guess it is. So, But that's the thing. So, I'm going to take us down now and move us on to verse 13. I know there's a lot of things here, but I think there's a lot of important things here in these letters from John. Because these are intended... The audience is Christians in general. It's intended for all of us. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, which represents all that Jesus Christ is and does, so that you will know with settled and absolute knowledge that you already have eternal life. Right. If we believe in Christ, we have eternal life, eternal life in heaven. Now, <clears throat> if we don't, then we are spiritually dead. We will be spiritually dead. However that works out, if that's, you know, separation from God, eternal, eternal torment, or if that's just, you know, those those are, are wiped out. Uh, you know, I can't say authoritatively that myself, except what the Bible says. And it says they will be, you know, cast into the, the pit of fire. And I believe that that's... And anyway, it doesn't matter what I believe. What matters is what I said. You know, we don't want that for anyone. We don't want those those bad, horrible results for anyone. Because at that point, the reason it will be so horrible is then you will know. Think about it and realize that when you get to that point, you're going to know. You're going to know that, oh, there is a God. Oh, Jesus is the Son of God. I missed it. It's too late. And I can't be, you know, I can't have that eternal life. So there's these things, these points, that at that point, that's what that person is going to know if they're not, if they're not baptized into Christ, if they don't believe in Christ and they don't try to follow the Lord. At that point... There's going to be those things that are known with, with no doubt. And that's what's going to be so horrible. 
They're going to know that there is a God. They're going to know that Jesus is the Son of God. They missed it. It's too late. And then they're going to know whatever that punishment is, that they cannot be with God and cannot be in heaven. All right. <clears throat> this is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to, to have before him that if we ask anything to his will that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. And that's true. When we ask things, when we ask things of God, when we pray to God, he wants that relationship with us. He wants us to talk to him and ask him and to communicate with him. And he wants us to listen back and, and read his word and study his word and listen back to, you know, listen to him as well. He wants that relationship. But know that if we ask something that's in his will, that is something good, that he hears us and he, he acts on that. The answers don't always come the way we want them to, but they do come. And if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the requests which we have asked from him. Which that goes along with what I was just saying I spoke too soon. But nonetheless, it is true that if we're asking out of love and out of um, the proper you know, the proper attitude for the proper reasons, you know. I think, again, it was James that says, you know, the reason you ask and do not receive is you ask for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we ask out of a real need. Sometimes we ask to help others. And and that's those are, those are big reasons that we, we should be asking for things. Um, I think, in a way, that it's a lot more important that we pray for others than for ourselves. But But there is nothing wrong with praying and asking for help for yourself either. Never never think that. Uh, again, it's part of that relationship with God and he wants that relationship with us. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin that does not lead to death, he will pray and ask on the believer's behalf and God will for him give life to those whose sin is not leading to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for this kind of sin. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. One can repent of it and be forgiven. There is sin that does not lead to death, meaning, okay, you've done something wrong, but it's something you can repent and be forgiven for. Now, there is sin here that he talks about, sin leading to death. That sin of leading to death... The reason, even if you do pray for that person, and, and maybe we should, there, you know, my understanding of this is that they have fully known and then fully walked away from God and the Lord and declared them to be either untrue or, you know, however, they've declared themselves an enemy of God, even though they knew the Lord and they knew God and they were fully knowledgeable they decided in their own heart to walk away and unless you can get them to change and repent that is the only sin that I know of that really leads to death now 
I may not be fully understanding that, so that's okay. But I'm just saying that's what I believe that sin is, that they fully, you know, like, they're baptized, they fully know God, they fully, you know, experience um, a correct Christian life, and then for some reason, and I don't think it's really through necessary. well, I'm not going to say that, it could be through some form of deceit or whatever, but, but for some reason they totally walk away and declare themselves an enemy of God and the Lord. That is the only way I can see that there is a sin that truly leads to death. Okay? And even that, I would think they could repent of and change their mind. However, I'm not God. So I'm not going to claim to have any super or special knowledge on that. But that's what I understand, that sin that leads to death. And it's very hard from my understanding, once someone has gone that route and made that decision in their heart, it's very hard to get them to change their mind and repent. So, But all other sins, all the wrongdoings, all the things we do that we think are so horrible or bad, or we accuse one another of and blame each other for doing these things, all of those sins, you can repent. You can be forgiven. There is nothing that says that you cannot repent and be forgiven and and go on and be a Christian. There's, It, it doesn't matter what that sin is. All right. So verse 18, we know with confidence that anyone born of God does not habitually sin, but he, Jesus, who was born of God, carefully keeps and protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know for a fact that we are of God, and the whole world around us lies in the, lies in the power of the evil one, opposing God and his precepts. And we have seen and know by personal experience that the Son of God has actually come to this world and has given us understanding and insight so that we may progressively and personally know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So His purpose here is to remind us and tell us that we know that even in ourselves we are not habitually, purposefully sinning. If we are of God and, and we're following the Lord, we're not habitually, purposefully sinning. It's not that we don't make mistakes. It's not that we don't get tempted and then sin. And it's not that we don't... Real sin is done knowingly. Okay, So we have to understand that first. A true mistake or something you're doing and you think it's right and then you find out it's wrong, that's not a true sin because you thought it was right. It's a sin after you know that it's wrong and you're still going to be tempted and you're still going to fall into that sometimes. We all do. That's, that's what we do. We're human. But true sin is something we know is wrong and we do it anyway. And sometimes we stub up and we do that. I, I call it being stubbed up. We, we, we get stubborn but anyone born of God does not habitually sin and I'm going to skip down and say and the evil one does not touch him 
because God and the Lord watch out for us and we repent and we get forgiveness for that because we, we know it's wrong. We still, we still mess up and do it, but we know it's wrong. And then we know for a fact that we are of God. And we know the whole world lies in the power of the evil one or Satan because they're following his little whispers. They're following his little ideas and his little thoughts. That He's always whispering in everyone, even our, he's whispering in everyone's ears. We have to learn to shut him down, to shut him off, and to turn him off. Then the final, the final verse here. Little children, believers, dear ones, guard yourselves from idols. And this idol, this, this idols, here's how they say this idols is in the Amplified Bible. False teachings, moral compromises, and anything that would take God's place in your heart. So, we should guard ourselves from idols. Anything that we put ahead of God or in front of God, that is an idol. Whether it be ourselves, whether it be something we're interested in, it could be a hobby, it could be any kind of thing. If we put it in front or ahead of God, then we've made it an idol. And we do want to be aware of false teachings. A lot of false teachings lead to putting things in front of God and and a lot of erroneous things. So that is the end of chapter 5. I, I don't feel that even though I have tried, I don't feel I have still done it justice. Um, there is so much here and so much that we have to understand. And we need to make sure that we're following, you know, we're following the Lord. Because once we're baptized into Christ, we have overcome the world. And we do share in his victory. And that's an important thing to remember. And then, from there on, as we learn, you know, as we learn uh, more about God and more about how we should be, we should not be habitually, purposefully sinning. We should, you know, we're still going to sin, but we should not habitually, purposefully sin. And we should definitely be repenting, getting forgiveness and loving one another. And this, you know, John wrote this, these things he has written so that we would know that we have that eternal life in Christ with total and complete absolute confidence. So, that is the end of 1 John chapter 5 and that is the end of 1 John. So, next we will read 2 John I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And remember, God loves you.